0: And we've got two readings, one from the start of the Bible, Genesis 1, and one from 2 Corinthians. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And our second reading is from Second Corinthians 5, verses 17 to 21. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of God.
1: If you've ever been in hospital for uh, an actual procedure or illness, or been admitted with some kind of, um, uh, some kind of you know surgery or something like that, one of the things you'll notice pretty quickly is that it's very important for you and others to know your identity. When I was in hospital um, with Zoe and the labor that went on and on and on with Zoe, one of the things that happened a lot was the doctors and nurses, every time there'd be something, you know, administered, a, a drug or something like that, they would come and say, and you'll know what happens if you've been in this situation in hospital, can you please confirm your full name and your date of birth? And I got very saying, vegan fag jung, um, 31st, 883. That means everyone on our podcast can steal my identity now because I've just told everybody those details. But what happens um, in a hospital is it's very important that your identity is confirmed, isn't it? it was so important to get it right because you don't want to administer the wrong medication or the wrong epidural or whatever it is to the wrong individual. Um, One night um, this week, Charlie and I were chatting at dinner and somehow we got on to uh, a memory of, of early in our relationship when we were dating, we weren't yet married, so it must be 11 plus years ago. And Charlie and I met up at a restaurant, a little kind of Indian cafe in the city. And um, he's out at Seeds, so he's not here to defend himself. But we, um, he said, oh, meet me at this particular arcade. It's off Flinders Street. You know, there's gonna be, it's called this, this name, right? So anyone that knows Charlie knows he loves bargains. And we went to this, I got to this restaurant to meet him. I think he'd worked and I'd worked or something. And we met up in the city for dinner. And I quickly noticed that there was pigeons flying in and out of this arcade restaurant. I picked up the menu and realised this is no special restaurant. This is like your bargain, you know, $10 or less Indian bakery kind of a restaurant. You're starting to get the picture. And it's one of these stories that's haunted Charlie over the years because I always pay him out and say, Remember that time you took me to that dodgy Indian place in the arcade near Flinders Street? Which we all know that area is kind of seedy, isn't it? Like Flinders, Elizabeth, we all know what it's like. You know, it's not the most swanky Colon Street part of the city. And if you only knew that one story about Charlie and my relationship or dates or things that we've done together, you know, there'd be kind of a mistaken identity about Charlie and the places he chooses to take me because he actually is a very, very generous person and he loves to spoil people and bless people and um, he certainly has done that with me in our relationship um, but this one story in isolation makes for a funny story because I can always you know, tease him and say, remember when you took me to that place? The point is we need to know our true identity. We need to be reminded of our identity and who we really are. And the reason this is so important is because we are living in a culture, we are living in a moment in time where our culture desires to form us and tell us who we are. And many of the values of our culture are completely counter to the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is. And so if we look to our culture to know who we are, we're going to miss out on living out our true identity. We're going to miss out on the joy, the freedom that comes from knowing the gospel, the big story of Jesus, the big story of how God is redeeming the world. We're going to miss out on living as the people that we were truly created to be. And scripture talks about this cultural pressure that we can feel. Um, Scripture talks about this cultural pressure like a washing machine that, that. It tosses us around and Phil Pearson sharing last week in Story Sunday used this scripture um, talking about his recent journey. In Ephesians 4, we read this. I'd love to have my slides down, that'd be great. And Paul says, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of teaching." We will not be influenced when people try to kick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. So Paul says it's possible not to be thrown around in the washing machine of our culture with all the messages it's aiming to communicate to us about who we are. And so one of the most fundamental questions that we can ask about ourselves is this one. Who am I? It was the question that was the the title of the story that I used in our communion today. Who am I becoming? Do I see myself becoming Christ expressed through me or not? I'll say that again. Do I see myself becoming Christ expressed through Megan, through Kelly, through Phil, through Jerry or not? Because at the end of everything, when you really think about it, the person you are and the relationship you have with Jesus is kind of it. One of the most, um, you know, I guess in some ways treasured and kind of sacred parts of the role of a minister is visiting someone when they're at the final stages of their life. And I've done a little bit of this. And when I come and I sit with someone and I know that they're perhaps in their final day or week or a few days or hours of life, I always ask this, and how's your soul? How is your soul? Because when it comes down to it, that's what really matters. Are we feeling at peace with God? Are we feeling at peace with who we are and how we have lived Because that's where we want to be, isn't it, when we come to the end of our life and the end of our days on earth. And one of the most crucial tasks, I think, of discipleship or this whole thing of what we're on about as the church of Jesus is we need to know our identity. We need to know our calling. It's very central. Knowing who we are and who God made us to be is a profound realisation for every follower of Jesus. Uh, it's actually a profound realisation for anyone whether or not you're a follower of Jesus but in the church we tend to major, don't we on the fact that most of us are followers of Jesus and for those of us who are not yet this is a helpful little um, insight into what does the following Jesus bit um, add to identity and it has a lot to add to our identity and who we are And, you know, if we're not rooted in what the scriptures say about our identity, if we don't let the person of Jesus shape the whole of who we are, we can live out of a false pressure. We can live out of a false identity or um, an expectation, this false expectation that we can feel about who we should be. We can be tossed around by work or friends or peers or acquaintances or people who we've gone to high school with who've gone off and done maybe bigger or better things with their finances or investments. Or We can have so many things which influence and pressure our identity and we miss living out our true identity. The author of the book Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Pete Scazzaro, which we've just been Um, journeying through as a church in our EHS series, um, he has this really helpful quote, and he writes this, the vast majority of us go to our graves without knowing who we are. Without being fully aware of it, we live someone else's life, or at least someone else's expectations for us. This does violence to ourselves, our relationship with God, and ultimately to others. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live someone else's life. I want to live the life that God has called me to live. And this is really the heart behind this series. I, um, over the past about six weeks, have really been praying, okay, God, what's next for this final stretch of the calendar year? We're going into spring. um, We're going into a season um, where God's been speaking to many of us about um, our emotional health, about what stage of faith we're in. Are we in the wall? Are we in the paradox? Are we in an awareness of God's love? Um, and i would really been praying about what does our church need, God? What does our church need to receive in this time? As I do with every sermon series. Um, and sometimes God says, speak on this book. Sometimes God says, speak on this chunk of a book. Sometimes God says, speak on a thing. And as we journey through the the... a recent sermon series and as many of you shared stories of what God had been doing and God had been speaking this identity theme kept coming up and then last Sunday in our story Sunday for those of you who are here many of you here Phil and Geraldine and Jess in their stories and testimonies all touch on this theme of identity and I felt then coming out of last Sunday God prompts me lead this Place, this community lead myself lead all of us in this time of just coming back to who are we who are we and who does God say we are and we through our EHS series we looked at these stages in the life of faith who has found this helpful this diagram has anyone found this I know a number of you have commented it's been helpful. This diagram, which we used in our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality series, the stages in the life of faith, comes from a number of different people. Um, But Mark Connor, um, who was the senior pastor of City Life Church, was the one that introduced it to me and some others. But this idea that actually our Christian faith goes through stages. Now, this isn't always cyclical. We don't always go one to the next. We can dart around a bit on this one. Uh, many of us in our Christian walk have experienced an awareness of God's love or of God somehow. We've come to know God. We've experienced growth. We've used our gifts. We've realised, oh, I can open the Bible and it's going to speak to me. Um, I want to learn more. I'm going to get into podcasts or I'm going to get into a daily prayer with it. We realise we can make a contribution and serve. And then many of us have hit the wall have hit the wall, or perhaps are going to hit a wall. We talked about that. We talked about how coming out of the wall, there's this surrender we experience, an awareness of paradox, God is good, and yet life can be hard, and you know, God's kingdom is here, and yet it's not fully realised, and an awareness, a deep awareness of love, God's love for us. But, you know, whatever stage we're at in our journey of faith, whatever stage you're at, this knowing our identity is crucial it's totally crucial um, and so in this final little um, couple of months few months of 2018 together um, and as we're in a transition as a church we're praying and seeking and hoping that soon there'll be news of an appointment for next year of an interim pastor to come and be with us as i'm going to be taking maternity leave i really felt within myself this is what our church needs to be looking at over the spring, this theme of identity. And as I plan any sermon series, just to give you a little insight, I'm always asking the question, what does this have to offer to that friend of that person at church, to that co-worker, the neighbour, the person that they see at the coffee shop that maybe they've been thinking, I should invite them to church. Because we want to offer something here on Sunday that is so much aimed at the Christian and the not-yet-Christian. Amen? We want to be a church where you and I think, oh, I'm going to invite that person because this is about identity and that seems like a really helpful thing for anyone, wherever they're at. They don't have to be a believer in Jesus already. So let me invite you to invite someone along in this series on a Sunday. Um, I think what I'm going to hopefully have to say and, and our other preachers have to say is going to be so helpful wherever someone is on the journey. And they do say God can only preach it through you when he's preached it to you. And so this series and this identity theme is one that you may not be surprised to know God has been speaking to me about in my own life over the past couple of years. I've shared a bit about it through our recent sermon series. But God has been speaking to me about my identity. I've had a huge shift of becoming a mother to, an, to a nearly a half years ago. And that's a big shift to make. It's a big shift to take maternity leave. There's a few women here at church who are on maternity leave at the moment. Um, and, and so all of us are on a journey of discovering and then rediscovering our identity. From um, my own self, I'm a, you know, a wife, I'm a, now a mum, I'm going to be a mum again to a baby. I'm a friend, I'm a sister, I'm a daughter. Um, I'm a neighbour, we live in a street, so I'm a neighbour. I'm an auntie. Um, I'm a pastor, but all of us, including me, need to continue to hear, you are my child. You are my child, and find our identity in God over the roles and the hats that we wear. Isn't that so true? And so very practically this morning, I'm just going to open our series with a couple of thoughts. I'm going to talk really briefly about identity, who culture says we are, who our society, the, the kind of atmosphere, the milieu, if you like, that we're in. What does that say in Australia in Melbourne in 2018 about who we are? And then our true identity, who God says we are. So just practically, really just wanting to, I guess, um, just a bit scratch the surface this morning as we enter into this new series. So firstly... Who does our culture say we are? You know, it's a world of confusion out there. Our identity in post-Christian Australian culture can be fluid. We are told in our culture that our identity and who we are can evolve. It can be reinvented. It can change. We can wake up and decide we're going to be something completely different to what we've been before. We can reinvent ourselves. Sometimes that happens at a midlife point in life. And our culture says you can choose who you want to be rather than receiving the identity that God's given us as a gift. Our culture says you can choose, which sounds good, doesn't it? You can choose who you want to be. Um, You can be anything you want to be. Doesn't that sound good? I don't know. I feel like there's kind of an attractiveness sense of that. But... You know, it's a gift to receive our true identity. And the thing that we end up in, if we just listen to culture about who we are, is we end up exhausted. We end up exhausted. Because our culture tells us to um, be human, is to be um, evolving and changing. It's to better ourselves all the time. Um, our culture is discipling us to drive us to be more, to be more, to do more, to buy more, to have more, to make more money, to become better and more improved versions of ourselves. Has anyone experienced this pressure? Yeah. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Some cultural commentators have written that in twenty uh, sorry, tw- 2007, that was perhaps one of the most revolutionary years of living history because it was the year of the iPhone. It was the year where there was this massive pivot in our modern culture, in Western culture, which has reshaped our culture irreversibly and you may not even realise it. But distraction and addiction are the new normal. Discontentment is the new normal. um, Comparing ourselves... Happens so much more deeply and broadly than before. We are consumers and we are people to be influenced. How many followers you have or how popular your um, social media presence is, seems significant somehow. And all of this so often leads to a crisis of identity. Who am I anymore? Who am I on Facebook? Who am I at work? Who am I with my friends? Am I the same person? Who is everyone wanting me to be? It's exhausting. It's exhausting. And a really incredible cultural commentator, his name's Mark Sayers. He lives in Melbourne, pastors a church called Red Church, and he writes this in his really amazing book, The Road Trip That Changed the World. He writes, Our lives become stuck in a loop and our contemporary life is marked by a constant wanting more. Ask yourself, is this me? There's a constant wanting more. There's an ever-present dissatisfaction and restlessness. Our lives are marked by a constant wandering A fluidity concerning relationships, careers, home, sexuality, identity and belief is now the norm. Such a restlessness inevitably at times leads us to a desire for the transcendent. And that just means a desire to look bigger, to look for a God. And where is God in all this? And I just want to park here for a moment because I really believe some of you, some of us, have been exhausted by the crush of our culture, the crush and pressure to keep up the addiction of technology, the pressure to always be connected. Ever tried putting your phone away for an hour or turning it off for a day, God forbid? I believe some of us are kind of in a cultural tiredness, a confusion about who we are. Perhaps a sense of feeling scattered and not perhaps feeling fully present anywhere. And if this is you, I really believe God wants to speak to you through his word about who you are and realign you back to your identity in Christ. And so just an invitation to you. If this is you, if this is you, you're not on your own. Our culture has programmed us (laughs) to be restless, to want more, and that's how commercialism and capitalism is built. You know, we are... Try, we are being programmed for wanting more, being more. That's um, how things get sold. And so we we need to re realign. What does God say? What is God saying about who we are? Uh, A few weeks back, Lynette Leach preached on the theme of discovering silence and Sabbath. Um, It was a great message. And in her message, we looked at the story of Daniel together. And um, Daniel was a a guy who, along with some other Israelites, was taken into captivity by Babylon when Babylon overtook Jerusalem. And the story of Daniel speaks to us very practically about the pressure and the temptation that we can feel to give up our identity. But Daniel is a really good news story because Daniel is a modern example to us of a God-fearing man who, yes, he lived in a rebellious and dark world, and perhaps we can identify, but he didn't succumb. He didn't succumb to the practices, the pagan Babylonian practices that were around in the day that he was being asked to succumb to. All of us can feel almost like a captive in a foreign land in our culture. So that's why we need to come back to the Bible, and that's what this series is all about. The true you isn't a self-help saying. The true you is hopefully encapsulating for us who did God create us to be? Who did God create us to be? And what are we created to do, being part of God's world? So we've talked a bit about what culture says we are. I hope that's been helpful. But what about our true identity? What about God? What does he say that we are? Surely as our Creator, we look to Him to know who we are, and His Word speaks so powerfully about who we are. We're only going to look at a couple of little passages today, um, as we just um, as we just launch our series this morning. But Scripture speaks about who we are, and it's only as we look to Scripture that we are going to know who we truly are. <laughs> scripture is like a mirror, which is perfect and has been cleaned and isn't is like one of those crazy funny mirrors that you see at the pancake parlor that everything's disordered. Sp- scripture is a true and perfect and brand spanking new mirror for us. So as we look at it, we will see who we truly are. Amen. And perhaps the most profound passage in Scripture when it comes to our identity is this reading from Genesis 1, which we've heard this morning. We are created, it says, in the image of God. And if you've been around church for some time, perhaps that passage kind of washes over you now because it's quite well known. It's perhaps one of the most well-known passages, the creation of all things including humankind. But in Genesis 1:27, God speaks your identity. And this scripture reminds us we, you, me, your friend, your Arch nemesis at work, your person who's causing challenge in your life are created in the image of God. The person at Calls that's working on the checkout, the person who comes to Helping Hand Cafe for the first time this week, the person who you are sitting next to on the bus and it's really crowded, is created in the image of God. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this sounds amazing. Doesn't it? That, that we were created in the image of God. And it is amazing. Um, but, you know, we've forgot a problem here. Because we've forgotten this. We've forgotten this. And as I've been sharing this morning, our culture wants us to forget that. And um, I've already quoted from him this morning. But I just want to quote again from Mark Sayers. He says in this book, Vertical Self, that we were created to be vertical in relationship with God, okay, so I'm vertical. So I'm always really bad. When I think about horizontal and vertical, I have to think horizon. Anybody have to think horizon? Yeah, I really It's like when people say it. left, right. But Mark Sayers in his book, which I really recommend to you, it's an amazing book on identity. It's a fairly recent book, I think. He argues we've forgotten we are created to have a vertical relationship with God. Instead, he says, we perceive ourselves and our sense of self horizontally. It's all about what others think, what the media says, what our culture says, what our peers say, what social media says. And he says, as we live out of the horizontal self, our fixation is on being cool, being accepted, being glamorous, being sexy, all these things. And we end up obsessed with ourselves. We end up focused entirely on ourselves and lacking empathy for others. And we end up being really confused about which self we are. And he writes in this book that naively church leaders, people like me, assume they're speaking to people who have a vertical sense of self, as in God. Yes, I understand myself in relation to God. But he writes, anyone younger than 60, so if you're younger than 60, I won't ask for a raise of hands, but if you're younger than 60, you will almost... All have a horizontal sense of self. So you often, your default, if it wasn't scripture, was to get your identity from what other people think of you. Are you living out of a horizontal self? Are you living out of what other people think of me? How popular am I? How successful am I? How financially prosperous am I? Because as we read scripture, we realise and we are realigned that we are created in the image of God. And in this Genesis 1 passage, it goes on to say, God calls us guardians of his world. Genesis 1.28. We are stewards of God's amazing world. And God calls all that He has made good, this word tov in Hebrew, but he gets to us in the story and he calls us, does anyone know what we are called? Very good very good which maybe you kind of think oh well that's okay this was a powerful naming in this passage in the Hebrew it means kind of the pinnacle of God's creation that's you and me and so this the Bible speaks this grand narrative about who we are and you know it's just there to be read it's just there to be heard it's just there to be um, unlocked and understood Such an invitation to us to get back into our Bibles too, if we've perhaps been, you know, not reading them much lately. So this morning, church, let's receive this good news that we are created in the image of God, that we have an identity to be found that is much deeper and more satisfying and joy-filled if we go to scripture than any other identity that we could live out of. Let's open our ears and hearts and minds. I wonder what God wants to speak over these couple of months in the life of our church community. What he wants to speak to you, what he wants to speak to us as a community. And I just want to end with um, reading out a couple of verses from our Corinthians passage because we're running out of time. I just want to read a few verses for us about um, how God sees us. This is from the New Testament, Paul sent it to the Corinthians. To read it to us, to you. Therefore, if you are in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. We are therefore, you are therefore God's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal to our community, to your friends at work, to your friends that you hang out with at the pub, through. You. God was making his appeal to your community through you. And God made him who had no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We might become holy in his sight. This is who we are, friends. We are a new creation. We are made in the image of God. God calls us very good. We are ambassadors of God and his good news in the world. It is good news. And so if we come to Scripture, we're going to leave lighter. We're going to leave reading that Scripture, you know, a bit more sure, a bit more um, deeply in our boots, aware of who we are and who God calls us. Many of us will have seen the movie The Help. It came out in 2011. And in the movie, one of the main characters is Avaline, and she's an African-American woman. She's a maid, and she's living in Jackson in Mississippi. And she cares for a little girl, and this little girl's name is May. And May's mother, as the story unfolds, we realise doesn't treat May terribly well. And Aveline, this African-American maid who's awesome, has this phrase. It's kind of like a mantra. Then she speaks over this little girl, May, at several points in the movie. And it's pretty profound. I'm not going to try the accent, but this is the phrase. You is kind... You is smart, you is important. And in essence, the movie, the whole movie, The Help, is about the change that happens in this girl and the change that happens in a whole community when the new truth is the fact that every single person, including this little girl, is kind, is smart, (coughs) is important. And it's a powerful narrative. As we enter into this sermon series, The True You, my prayer is that we would receive afresh a powerful truth about who we are, about who God's created us to be. And as we look to Christ to know our identity, that we would know more who we are as we know more of who He is and who, all He has done for us. As we walk down the spiritual formation path of, yeah, I want to know you more, Jesus, we're actually going to become more our true who we were created to be. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you that this morning and every time we open your word, you are going to speak. Thank you for what you have deposited this morning in us through your word. We just pray that all of the truth of all that you want to communicate to us this morning will Linger in our minds and hearts today, the salvo this week, and that we would respond. We would respond this week in our the way we live our lives, in gratitude, that we would really lean in where you're speaking something specific about who we are, or perhaps wanting to highlight where our culture has spoken something over us that is not your truth. And so we pray, Holy Spirit. Reveal your truth. Bring it to the surface. We open ourselves to you. We want to hear from you, God. We want to be realigned to your truth about who we are. And we want to live out of that identity. Um, We want to live as a new creation. Um, And we want to live as image bearers of you in our work, in our family, um, in our friendships, in our community. We want to bear your image to the world around us. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for your love for us. Thanks that you've been here speaking. Thanks that we can gather as your community and that you do speak a fresh word as we open your word together. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.